Good morning. Welcome to the Old School podcast about the current American education system, all of its characteristics, its foibles, its traits, its issues, and God knows it has issues. It's problems, solutions, and so far as we know the solutions. Good morning here, Dr. Bourgeois. Good morning, Mr. Miller. Good to see you and hear you this morning. Good to see you. How you doing? Um, I'm fine. I feel relaxed. Um, Saturday morning, no no worries, not a care in the world. No sports, though. Yeah, I was. I actually had to look up on my phone when the Super Bowl was, because it seems like two weeks have passed or three, but it's only been a few days. Is it because you're trying to block it out? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in the stages of grief. You know, you have denial or anger. Um, I got anger right now. Yeah, I mean, it really goes until... August, you know, realistically, I mean, they'll, they find ways to talk about football, you know, on these sports shows, but realistically, we don't see a ball or a tackle or anything until August. It's probably better that way. Like George, George Will said that football is the combination of the two worst characteristics of American life committee meetings that punctuate being punctuated by violence. So there you go. There's football. There you go. A great now, typically, typically, I would get out of football gratefully and run into the welcoming arms and nurturing bosom of baseball. But alas, 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 it's not here. So why isn't it exactly? Labor dispute seems to be at the core. You see how. The, how important baseball is. I didn't even know they were having a dispute or even holding a season this year. Well, you don't exactly have your thumb on the pulse of American life though. No. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I, I watch ESPN you know, while I'm, it's on the TV quite often when I'm sitting working and no one has brought up baseball in about four months. Do you, listen to, it, do you listen to it with the sound off? Cause I hear that's the best way to enjoy ESPN nowadays. Oh yeah. No, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, they haven't brought up baseball or labor or anything. So, and you know, I'm, I'm shocked that you even would know this. A lot of people are talking about it just because your little enclave, your little circle of intelligentsia, who finds baseball a bit beneath them, although you still gravitate towards the knuckle-dragging, barbaric nature of football, um, the gentleman sport, America's pastime, baseball somehow eludes you. It's a lure eludes you. Well, so so it's gonna they're gonna miss a whole season because of this dispute. They make a lot of money, you know, the, those players. They all make money. Well, they make they make you know for the amount of work they do. You know, a lot of a lot of baseball is standing around, quite frankly, or sitting. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they're they're getting paid you know by standing and sitting, and once in a while there's a little action. Hmm. Well, wouldn't it be great if I could teach a history of baseball? Hello. <laughs> Did the Zoom cut out? That, Did you freeze? That, I don't know that was what for, happened. For comic effect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a history of baseball would be a, a great course. And um, why can't you do that, Ross? <laughs> there are many reasons why I can't do that. Well, you could. I mean, let's face it. If, if you were given the opportunity, it would probably be the most entertaining course because you would 
most likely connected to current events from the time period and and connect to, you know, with your experience as a history teacher, as a knowledgeable person about baseball, and, and as one of your favorite things, it would be a wonderful course. Well, now we're kind of venturing into what could be the topic of the day and what we have alluded to uh, in that in the last episode when we talked about perceptions of the teaching profession, um, which could be found episode 38, uh, everywhere where you get your podcast. Um, but the idea about what drives people out of the profession and what is what is seemingly driving people out of the profession now. We talked about the idea that in the early days, and when I say early days, I'm talking about our early days. When we were in school. Yes, when we were in school and then also in the beginning, nascent stages of our own teaching careers. There seemed to be more of an allowance for teachers to pursue their own interests. Insofar as they can kind of come up with the idea of a class, come up with a curriculum, introduce it, present it, get it approved, that there seemed to be, that seemed to be something. And this could be one aspect of why people are leaving the profession right now, is that there is not quite that level of creativity that's allowed because everything has to be about the tests. Well, I don't think the current teachers, younger teachers, even can imagine the idea of writing a course from scratch. It's not, not, you know, they would probably find a way to complain about it. <laughs> we have to be creative. What do we do? Uh, so I think we're creating a, you're, we're talking about a problem for the older folks who are still in the profession. Uh, I can remember way back when I was actually in junior high, I took a course uh, in sports Um it was really a, a course, you know, for, for statistics, but it was about, you know, they used sports trivia um, mm. a, as a way to, to get you to look at a lot of things numerically. And, and it, it was brilliant, you know, right. Because it was applied and, and interesting and it was the best class you could have. It was the good old fashioned elective. I think the elective has gone the way of the dinosaur and, and certainly a, taking advantage of a teacher's knowledge and experience and, interest yeah yeah that's that's a i think you make a good point um they're they're stuck in a box you know teaching what's expected uh it's tested and then you go home and you do it again and i think that you i think you also hit on something because you were talking about the the demographics that we're likely talking about are the older crowd for two reasons one they remember when it used to be possible and two, they have the most experience, the most, the perhaps the broader skill set uh, to bring to bear on potentially a new subject, a new idea. But because there's so little wiggle room in kids' schedules now, mm. for various reasons, in our neck of the woods, it has to do with pathways that inconceivably is identified in the eighth grade. Um, that. There's just simply no way to, there's no way to do it. I mean, there's no, there's no room in the schedule. You can't get it. You can get it approved probably. You just couldn't get kids to sign up for it because they have to, they're so locked in on all these other courses. Um, and it would be most likely a regular class, and, you know, as far as waiting. So, so people, you know, the better students would lose GPA points by taking your uh, course in baseball history. Uh, mm. It would affect their class ranking. 
and which colleges they go to, you would have a domino effect by just offering that nice course. Now, before we get into some of the other reasons why the great retirement is happening, had you ever envisioned what would you have done if given the license to create a course? What would you have taught? Um, I was. Thinking, I have a couple ideas, and I think most teachers may have a couple ideas, but I'm wondering if you did. Well, I, I was given an opportunity once. Uh, I was teaching in an urban school, and the counselor approached me kind of at the very beginning of the school year, so this is late, and she said, why don't you create a course in music? You know, music appreciation will have have these kids come in and you can and and so i i did it and it was you know basically music you know listening and, and then eventually teaching them some some of the tools but it was in a classroom setting not in a music room and uh we had one class period uh where i i started i played a little piece by vivaldi and they were supposed to listen and we we're going to talk about what they heard mm-hmm. and they they started you know misbehaving and <laughs> talking during the during the during the actual first time I played a little clip and the conversation was stupid and, uh, and I, it was more about classroom management and, you know, I didn't have their attention as earlier in my career. And so I marched down to the counselor. <laughs> I said, this, so is, this a is a bad idea. I'm not idea. doing it. And she said, well, wait a minute. Um, don't you picture yourself as this idealistic teacher going into an urban place and, you know, teaching the music, you know, and um, I, I think it's that like was stand and deliver. What it was yeah. Kind about. of between that and Mr. Holland's opus. And uh, <laughs> I said, there's a difference between teaching band to people who want to be in the band uh, to right. just, it just turned out to be students who, who needed to be somewhere. Um, and, and uh, so that, that was a bad example, but um, I guess, you know, theoretically, why don't, let, let's hear yours and then I'll follow you. Well, history of baseball was kind of a joke. It's a bit too esoteric, a bit too elevated intellectually for the average run-of-the-mill high school student. It would be Sounds foolish to even present it. It's really <laughs> insulting, you know. I, 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 to a lot of people, I feel uncomfortable with what you just said. I really think it could be a great course, and, and you would frame it so it was was engaging to them. I think so. I mean, I, I was something I just, you know, I just threw it out as a lark just a few oh. minutes ago. But as okay. far as classes that I actually thought about at the time, yeah. I wanted to do a history of Southeast Asia. Why are you laughing for? Oh, you talk you? about talk about your your audience. I think you'd do better with the baseball idea. <laughs> the, the, que- the question was: Have I ever considered creating my own class? Well, you would. It would be your own class. You'd be teaching, and there'd be no students. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, bourgeois. <laughs> This is serious stuff. This is an interesting part of the world. Okay, well, make your case. What's what's your syllabus? You know, what are you going to ta- teach in that course? Well, that's just the beauty. I mean, it could be so many things to so you many make, people. Make it up as you go. <laughs> well, no, I'd have a plan. <laughs> so I had the idea of Southeast Asia, or or, or, or you can even you can even uh, broaden it out to East Asia in general. But the, another idea I had was to teach history through music and bring music as kind of like the barometer of societal moods and attitudes that 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 would make a great course i did a i did a uh a, a training uh at uh, the university of north texas 
which is a a school that's renowned for its jazz department. And I I once sat in a training room for three hours listening to a guy present U.S. history through jazz. It was one of the most beautiful three hours I have ever spent in my life. And I thought this would be this would make a great class. Now, the problem is jazz, like baseball, is an acquired taste, you know, and I think perhaps too niche of an immediate audience to work. But that there you go. I mean, those those are just a couple of the ideas that I had. Well, I certainly can't shoot that idea down as a jazz player myself. I mean, your, your students would get a nice break from hearing you talk, you know, and sit and listen to a little jazz in the background. Jackass you are. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, and, and when they're doing their work individually, you know, you a little book work, you play a little Bill Evans in the background. And yes. um, no, I, I think you, you could, you should be able to teach the class. I think that's what we're getting at mm-hmm. is, is why, why can't teachers create something? I mean, I would have you know, liked to, uh, teach philosophy to high school kids. And um, I did it outside of um, school as a club and it was well intended. Mm-hmm. And we read some serious things and discussed them and that's all it was. Um, right. The other thing that would have been interesting would be to uh, teach a, a course in, in film appreciation, you know, basically through my own prism, meaning I show them what I want them to, to see. And we, we talk about it and expand their worlds and make me really happy. So I, I think those would be the two areas that, you know, I would, would have done that in, in a minute and probably enjoyed them, you know, more than, you know, teaching German for, for a lot of reasons. Cause there are a lot of people, cause we've joked about this before. The fact that every school has, or perhaps had, cause it's not quite so prevalent today. Every school had that one guy that did nothing but show movies. And usually it was a history teacher under the guise of teaching history. They would just show movies all the time. So you would try to legitimize the practice by creating something more elevated. Well, sure. They'd be serious movies. They wouldn't, you wouldn't be dinner for one. Well, yeah, something like that, but you wouldn't be, you know, playing something, you know, for math class because it has a number in the title or something. I mean, that's, that's just kind of getting away from time, but, but having a a real discussion and maybe involving the students where they lead discussions and prepare questions and, and connect it to the other films that you would show. And, and, and ideally there's some reading involved as well. Um, but it would be it would be like a, a college course um, where I mean college professors do have some flexibility. I mean that may be a, a big difference, but they they can pretty much write their their courses and, and they can connect it to whatever areas are are personally interesting and, and and that way they lean on their strengths. And I think teachers today are just you know forced to teach something the 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 creativity is in the delivery. It's in the methodology, but certainly not in the content. Right. And I think because of that kind of rather constrictive nature, I do think that talented people find themselves boxed in and unable to do what they want to do as far as, or what they're capable of doing, you know, and it does seem like for a lot of different reasons and because of a lot of different things, that there's some sort of malevolent force in the universe that's that's turning this profession into something that can be done by trained monkeys. 
you know, and that, you know, and if, if there is no expertise that's required at some point, because all you got to do is teach to the test. Well, we were talking last week about the fact that, you know, one of the issues that teachers have, or even though it's rather capricious complaint, it has to do with pay. I think the pay is bad now. Wait till it gets to the point where we're nothing more than a teacher prep test prep center, you know? Well, the, I mean, your competitor um, as a history teacher or an AP teacher is, is video. I mean, there are so many useful videos now to prepare for AP history, whatever history it is. It's kind of a flipped classroom, but it doesn't flip to an actual lesson, just the mm. initial part. But but students can get all kinds of resources and, and they're not reading. You know, we've talked about history being a reading subject. But you know, I would bet that it's it's also a viewing subject for a good portion of of students. And you know, so between that and the online platforms for assessment uh, and content, I, I think the teachers who are you know have had this foray into online instruction you know during COVID are kind of looking at their replacements uh, to some extent. Well, I don't I don't want to besmirch too much the folks that are doing various videos because i'm sure that behind those videos are some very oh. uh well-intentioned um smart people when it comes to history the, the problem is is that a lot of those things are done with an entertainment paradigm not necessarily an educational one because they are trying to sell it they are trying to get it out there they are trying to get people to to view it to like it to share it to you know whatever the case may be and so i've always told students i said you know, the videos are nice. It's kind of like a generic recap, a surface level recap. But uh, the problem is it changes the dynamic. And it's the same problem that we have when I get a kid that comes into my class and he struggles. And his parents tell me he watched the History Channel all the time. He loves history. And trying to explain to parents that you liking the History Channel has nothing to do with whether you're good at history or whether you would be successful in an advanced level history class. And so when kids go to the video, the problem is it changes their approach from what it should be to what often it is. And one of the reasons why kids don't remember crap, and that's why late night talk show hosts will do bits where they send some Yahoo intern out to the streets to ask <laughs> Americans questions about American history, you know? And of course they never roll tape on the guy who gets it right. You know, <laughs> they just roll tape on the Yahoos that get it wrong. And so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy and it's uh, and that can be frustrating, you know, math and science gets a lot of love nowadays uh, but I think from a history humanity standpoint, it's it's uh, it can be devastating. So all of this connecting to teachers potentially leaving, I think we're maybe inventing a, a reason. You know, there there are a lot of reasons that the teachers are leaving now, and they're overworked and they're dealing with really difficult conditions and uh, stress. Um, but you know, we are the two of us purists in a way. You know, that maybe this issue bothers us and, and not a, not other people. I'd, I'd be interested in what some of your current colleagues would think about it. If, if, if they wish that they could teach a course, you know, based upon yeah. their, their interests. Well, we think about other things. You talk about the idea that teachers are buried in work right now. And a lot of it, of course, is tied into current circumstances. 
But for me, at least my attitude about it, what profession isn't pushing their workers to the maximum because of having to adjust to or adapt to conditions created by COVID and in any other uh, tangential uh, element associated with COVID? We're all going through the crap, you know. You know, is is my job worse than a nurse? Is my you know is my job worse than a doctor? No, but you know, is it worse? Is it worse than others? Sure, but you know, is I remember. Stick with me here. I remember when <laughs> I remember when my daughter was about to be born, and we have a very lovely, wonderful colleague in Germany. Um, she's a communist, but we love her. So I remember asking her, I said, because uh, she had a couple of kids, you know, and they were grown at the time that, that my daughter was about to be born. And I asked her, I said, do you have any advice here on the eve of the birth of my daughter? And she basically said, we all go through our own crap. You're going to have to figure it out. I can't advise you. I mean, because what you go through is going to be very different than what I go through. No one can really advise you. And so anytime I hear people, you know, complain about what COVID has done to education, I would agree with them. But at the same time, I would also, I mean, especially if they use it as a, as a reasoning for leaving the profession. But I would ask you what profession has not gone through seismic changes and has demanded more of the practitioners of said occupation as a result of what's happened over the last two years. I just don't think we're that different. I think a lot of um, jobs have, have gotten simpler because the the light went on and, and people can work for home from home. And in some ways it's, it's more efficient because there are fewer distractions and, and I'd like to see some research on productivity. But you know, or well-being. You know, I, I can mm. imagine a lot of people are are more happy um, working at home. Um, I, I'm not sure what where these teachers are going. You know, I, my guess is that they've had it and they're just leaving, maybe without another position. Um, which or they're is, starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's do a podcast. Let's yeah. start a band. Let's get a band together. That used to be the podcast is the modern incarnation of the band. <laughs> I think so. Um, well, we, we can say there, there's really no, there's no money in it, but there there could be. Uh, yeah. If if we have enough uh, retired teachers who say, oh, you need to listen to this. Uh, you're 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 te- the teacher um, that you mentioned. Um, you, you said, called her a communist and she's a pessimist as well. <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, I, I would join her in that. You never, you never know, you know, no. and, uh, everything will surprise you. And so that's why, that's why I kind of, I, I hear what people say when they say, oh, this is just too much or whatever the case may be. I just, I just don't know if I take it as a kind of a serious, I mean, I, I I think that they would have quit any job because of the demands of COVID. And again, that does not negate the legitimacy of that reason, but it's just simply something that a lot of people are going through and some people are going through a lot worse of it. So, you know, there's that element of it. Um, do you think teaching is harder? I mean, out, outside of um, COVID and everything like that, if you look at education prior to March, 2020, Mm -hmm. 
Do you think teaching is harder than it was? Because we just got finished talking about the fact that it's actually expecting less of us intellectually and creatively in, in a creative sense. I, I think it's, it's teaching is, is a constant. I've probably said this before, but just putting yourself not only in front of a class, but in a room of, of, of students at any age, honestly, um, mm -hmm. takes your, your life force, your energy, and, and you, you give it to them. And so it has a cumulative effect. It's, it's a type of stress that unless you've been in that room, it, it, it's hard to, imagine you you learn to deal with it you learn to be successful and kind of make it make it your friend but you could be sitting at your desk while they're taking a test or you could be giving a lecture or they could be doing group work it doesn't matter the mm -hmm. level of stress is actually the same because they're the students are you know individuals doing things and often not what you want or they're not following your your there's never like this neutral space where you're sitting in, in a room and, the, and there's no e equilibrium. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a constant stress. Um, the other side of it is there's this beautiful regularity of the calendars. You look forward to the weekend to the, the holidays grading. Mm -hmm. and, and so you, you learn to become part of that and, and the rhythms of teaching. But, but I think the, the profession is, is inherently challenging. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I would say that people are, leaving now who are maybe able to retire and saying, well, I'm able to retire. Let's go ahead and do it. So you think about the idea of, um, uh, think about the idea of people who are, um, um, trying to think of what I want to say here, but you think about people that are leaving. I think the, the people who are retiring early, maybe they just feel like they don't have to deal with this anymore. And so they're not going to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um, but as far as the younger people go, Younger people are going to, I mean, you hate to kind of put it down as like millennial stuff, but are these people really equipped to handle a tough job, to handle something where it requires a lot of them? You know, is that something that's really, I mean, is that, is that something that we see with the younger crowd or, I mean, I don't know uh, with the older crowd. Yes. Maybe they're just sitting there thinking to themselves, I can retire. So I want to retire. That, that's a, a complicated question. You know, the, you know, the, the younger teachers are, are they going to push through, you know, some, something like this? I, I think, you know, I don't really have any answer to that. I, I, I've worked with, you know, people from that generation who I've supervised and so forth and their, you know, work ethic is, uh, it's different, you know, because right. they, they can be very efficient with with time, but also they value their own time and are good at putting up boundaries. Mm. Um, and they so so they're healthier and happier and protect their time. Whereas you know we were of the generation where we we would put in time on our own, you know, mm. grading papers all, all weekend, you know, get there early, and um, so it's it's I think it's a it is a different generation, but it doesn't. I don't know if the profession is more or less appealing. Um, for for young people, I think we've we've addressed you know a lot of the issues. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't. I guess that's a, that's not a real complete answer. I don't think you can take uh, into account anything that exists before uh, that has always existed in teaching. Right. You know that that's why I don't buy the pay argument. That's why I don't buy the society. You know, we talked about this last week. The fact that society as a whole doesn't really appreciate teachers. I don't think you can take that as a legitimate reason why people quit. 
because it either isn't or some uh, the person was delusional about what they thought the profession was going to be before they got into it because that aspect of it really hasn't changed so i think there are elements to why people quit that have not that have always been a part of education and so it's dumbfounding when people say well that's i wasn't making enough money what did you think you were going to I did. I, I, I got into got into teaching for the money, and I was misinformed. Um, uh, it seemed like at at the time, you know, there was a yeah. It, it, it was great to get a paycheck of any any kind, but the sure. I think that what what catches teachers off guard is when you know it's the increase in their pay is so incremental. Mm. You know, and so you you don't get that boost being in any profession where you you with there for five years and suddenly you're making double the money and have this advancement. There's not the advancement right. opportunities. Um, so the, 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 it's it, it's complex, but I, I think when we look at the numbers and the dust settles, there is going to be a there, there will be a higher attrition rate, um, and it needs to be broken down. Are these young teachers? Um, are they re- retiring teachers? I don't know. Yeah. I think the other thing is, I think people do get smacked in the face by the reality of the job, you know, and then that calls into question how teachers are being trained. Are they being trained to understand the realities of the position? Is that even possible in a university setting? I mean, I know most teacher programs include a semester of student teaching, but to some extent, that's a slightly curated experience. Uh, Interesting. By the by, the master teacher in the classroom. So, are they truly understanding what they're walking into by the time they get the job, their first job? So, yeah. I've mentioned before that I have a former student who is currently in her very first semester as a school teacher, and I remember her uh, her now boss calling me after he had interviewed her and saying, "You know, is she going to be all right in the classroom? In your opinion?" And I said, yes, I think she's going to be great. She's got that personality to be able to roll with things. Is she going to struggle? Well, hell yes. I mean, we we all struggled in our first years as teachers. And so the question is not whether she's going to struggle or not. The question is, one, does she have support? Two, does she have a personality that is not easily um, uh, dissuaded from things? I mean, does she have stick to as it were? And she certainly has that. So uh, then the question then becomes, you know, to, to what extent is she prepared for the task? And again, it goes back to the idea of student teaching. And you, you have to ask yourself, if they do that survey and they find out, you know, what is the demographics of the teachers who are leaving? If they are under five years, there has to be a serious question about teacher training. How well is it preparing aspiring teachers for the for the job? The, the problem with this, this feels like another episode, but the problem I say with student teaching is um, that you don't get to close the door, mm. you know, and be in a room with with students and, and create your own relationships. There's there's no time. And it's also illegal because they're not certified <laughs> and they can't supervise students. They have to have somebody, a, a certified teacher in, in the room at all times. But, but the, so you're, you're getting a, a taste of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I think you you know a student teacher does get the benefit of of a mentor who can um, 
give them some inside information. And I think if you're giving, and I'm sure from you, you're going to give the hard lessons. Say this is not going to be easy. You know, this is not TV, right? Right. Well, yes. And this is, yeah. And, you know, you do get that experience and, you know, and I'm also not one to give out unsolicited advice, you know? And so I'll, I'll, I don't tend to just put forth things out there. I mean, I'm not saying I've never done it, but I mean, you know, with, with students who are considering teaching, they'll have to directly ask me what I think before I'll tell them what I think. But um, I don't know. It's just it's one aspect that I worry about, and I can't help but think it might be one reason why folks are leaving. Can you imagine any other reason beyond the usual suspects? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, I I, I do study um, teachers yes. and leaving, and 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 the this is typical for any job. People don't you know leave jobs; they leave managers. Right. So the the uh, whoever is their direct supervisor has a you know it's either a controlling relationship or they're supporting their autonomy. They're giving feedback that's informational and helpful. Um, so that leader you know makes a huge difference. Um, they, they need to have some relationships and not be isolated. Um, mm-hmm. And usually a department takes care of that, but not always. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then the, they, they need training ongoing you know, be in, in these areas that we've, we bring up every week um, because, you know, for growth, but also just survival. You know, if I give a survey on, you know, what, what teachers need, they, they often say, well, you know, managing student behavior. Um, if you're, if you're getting that and maybe uh, you don't get a lot of that actually mm-hmm. in, in college, you know? And so, so there are things that you learn on the job, but, but I think that there are a lot of ways to, to help teachers stay. Um, but probably the, the, the leadership is, is one that we haven't talked enough about. Well, I, the problem is, is, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think about it's more than just the principal. Right. Um, it's it, the leadership uh, team, you know, it's the, and, and your department head, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. but there are people who have a supervisory role. Mm-hmm. That, that, so it's, the, it's the department chair, it's mm-hmm. vice principals, associate right. principals, principals. It's, it's the people that run. Well, I don't run anything. I'm just, well, I'm just, I'm just the ice cream man coming through. No, it's those people who, who, who are up front when you're sitting through meetings and mm. wandering around, you know, I think I have a good situation here, but I also know that it's not something that is widely seen, you know, because by evidence, by the fact that, I mean, how many administrative teams that you've had in your career that you thought were good, Oh, I could never say that. Um, <laughs> not at all. There, there, there's always been, you know, at least someone in in that group that I very much admired. And, right. Um, doesn't doesn't matter. But no, I've had some really great leaders and some really poor leaders. But I learned from from both of them. Yeah. And and even that's that's just too general. You know, those leaders have strengths and weaknesses. So they have right. certain areas, even the bad ones, that they're really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a nice political answer for you, but, but no, I, um, <laughs> so I, is I, that, is that simply another thing that teachers point to is why they're leaving, but it's not a legitimate one or it's one that is, 
it's n- nothing different in education than compared to any other pro- profession. I, I think you're you're onto it. I mean, teachers have this perception that the the classroom is theirs and they can close the door and and things that uh, infiltrate that room, like testing and you know all these things where you're kind of feeling like you're micromanaged. That's true with with any position. It's it's called working, you know. And but but good leadership um, would build confidence and also give the impression um, that they're that these are professionals and I think that's the bigger issue the professionalism of the profession of teaching sometimes that that seems to be lacking well I think it's um I think what would be interesting would be to do perhaps a a podcast just on the nature of leadership and you know, we we have talked about it in the context of a plethora of episodes, but I don't, I don't think we've given it its due uh, in 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 regards to its own episode. And perhaps that might be something we should tackle soon because I think it does go to how teachers feel about their school, how teachers feel about their job, how teachers feel about their relationship with their students. And because it is at the center of all of that, perhaps it deserves its own episode. I'd be up for that. I mean, there are teachers who survive lots of regimes, you know, and, and they're, mm. you know, they in some ways don't really care. Just keep keep out of my business and let me do my thing. Right. But but yeah, let's let's go ahead and and do that. Um, I think we would solve problems if we just let teachers teach at least one class, you know, in an area that they would like. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a great uh, question on job interviews. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're being interviewed to teach, um, you know, math, algebra one, and you know, and and uh, what would you teach outside of math if you could? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they may not know how to answer that, um, but I, I they weren't are, prepped. They weren't prepped with that question at the uh, College of Education <laughs> that they were graduating from. No, so, but I think it would be a good one, and I. I don't think it's realistic, at least in traditional public schools anymore. Right. Uh, but, but maybe the, it, the pendulum will swing. You know, it's, it, it has done that a couple of times in our careers. And the much maligned charter schools, private schools, those could be some of the last bastions of perhaps an older system that allowed for a lot more creativity, allowed for a lot more ownership over what people do in the classroom. Not all, of course, charter schools, private schools fall into this realm, but it does seem like it's, it's, it's gone the way of the dodo in public schools. Yeah. And, and I, I, I would say that, you know, well, I make most of my money from private schools and particularly <laughs> charter schools. Um, and so they're definitely not maligned by me. I think it, you're right. It, it can be innovative. There's more flexibility Right. Um, and, the, and the potential to to teach, you know, and to, to really teach. And that's what we're kind of getting at. Well, it looks like we got ourselves set up for the next few weeks, uh, some possible topics. And um, I'm sure we're going to have an elementary school teacher here on pretty soon. So it's only a matter of time. But, uh, you know, we, we have promising episodes ahead. Oh, boy. What a good tease that was. And, and <laughs> we, we could get a sitting principal you know, who could put us in our place. That's, there you go. See, 
potentially with regards to leadership. I mean, it would be interesting to kind of hear that dynamic from that side of the equation yeah. instead of us just waxing philosophically about what we think it should be done. So, yeah, have them listen to our episode about leadership and then bring them on to pick us apart. Um, <laughs> it's just like, what the hell are you people talking about? I, I'd love someone to do that, you know, just to come <laughs> on and take us to task. I, it would be fun. And we deserve it too, to be oh, honest. Oh, I agree. No, we're, <laughs> we're out of our expertise in about half of what we say. <laughs> Well, it's never stopped anyone else. So we're going right. to press on. <laughs> <I agree. laughs> All right. Well, uh, into the void of um, lack of sports, uh, lack of uh, enjoyment, the joie de vivre. Uh, we say adieu to Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Auf Wiedersehen, auf Wiedersehen, Herr Miller. <laughs>